Yeah. Man, what a way to start our time. You can go ahead and be seated. And I want to welcome you today. Welcome to those of you here at our Thornton campus. Welcome to those of you who are watching online or at our Fort Lupton campus. Um, if we have not met, if this is your first time here, or maybe it's been a while, we just haven't had our paths cross yet. My name's Chris. I'm one of the pastors here. And it's a privilege for me to be here this morning. I'm excited uh, for today because we're starting a brand new series that we are calling Why So Angry? Because uh, if you have been living in our world, uh, which I assume most of you have been and not under rocks or in caves, uh, you look around the world and man, everybody's angry. I mean, isn't it true? Like everybody's angry about everything. In fact, there is a poll that was taken in 2019, the Watson Health Poll. And then 84% of those who were polled uh, said that they agreed that everybody is angrier now than they were a generation ago. And that was before 2000, the infamous 2020. I mean, that was before a pandemic. That was before masks and no masks and vaccines and no vaccines and political unrest and, and more racial unrest and, and all the craziness that has been going on in the last two years in our country. I mean, that was before all of that. You see, people are just getting angry, right? I mean, you can't scroll on social media. You can't watch news without seeing anger, right? Not only seeing anger in other people, but also having anger start to kind of bubble up inside of you. Am I right? I mean, people are just angry about everything. In fact, a couple of weeks ago, I thought it was a little ironic. On the 18th of July, uh, there was a record high temperature of 100 degrees, beating the previous high record temperature of 99 degrees. And Facebook, on, on Facebook, Nine News posted a comment about this record-breaking temperature. Now, when I was a kid, and you, know, and you knew that there was going to be a record hot day, uh, that meant one thing, slip and slides and water balloons. I mean, I mean we're, we're calling the neighbors together, we're having a water fight, we're going to have fun, we're going to enjoy a nice hot day, and we're going to get each other wet. Today, what this means is that we're going to become keyboard warriors and just be angry about it. I mean, you wouldn't believe, maybe, maybe some of you saw this thread, but you wouldn't believe the comments that people were writing on this post about a record hot day. I mean, it was, it was insane. And, and here's the thing, people are angry about everything, right? And, and most of the time, people don't even know why. I mean, it's one thing, is it not, if you wake up in the morning and, and you realize that overnight someone stole your car out of your driveway. I mean, every one of us would be angry if that happened. Maybe that's happened to you and you woke up and, and you were angry because someone stole your car. But most of the time, a lot of people are just walking around with like a new baseline of just anger. I mean, most of the time we don't even know what's going on. There's like this chronic anger that's, that's happening all over the place. And, and we ask the question, like, why are we so angry? We just don't even know. Maybe for some of you, you learned that anger was the bad emotion, right? Maybe, maybe you learned in the family of origin that you grew up in. Maybe you were at a church where they told you, like, don't be angry because being angry is a sin. And, and you've understood anger as the bad emotion. And, and let's just be honest. It's because usually it is. Usually it is bad. I mean, it's rare that we experience healthy 
anger, isn't it? It's rare. But did you know that the Bible actually commands us to be angry? Paul says in his book, uh, his letter to the Ephesian church, he says this, be angry. Those two words right there in the Greek language are an imperative. They are a command. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. What Paul's talking about here is that there is a type of anger that we should have. There is a type of anger that is godly and good and right and just anger. The problem is, is that we just simply rarely ever see it, right? We, 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 we hear instead, don't be angry, just be nice. But here's the thing is that anger is a gift from God. Did you know that? Anger, like all the other emotions that we get to experience, is a gift from God that he gave to us as part of the emotional compass that we have to help navigate this life. You see, anger allows us to see injustices and threats that are coming near us. And we need to have anger. And, and, uh, you know, just like all other emotions, anger is in itself neutral. It's neither good nor bad. But the, the thing is, is that unlike other emotions, Anger is probably the most volatile. At home, I have a little shed where I keep, you know, my lawnmower and a bunch of other junk that just kind of collects in there. I don't know where it comes from. It just sort of collects in there. Uh, but I have a gas can that I use uh, for my lawnmower. Now, <clears throat> the gas in the gas can by itself doesn't do anything. And I can use it for good, like by putting it in my lawnmower and mowing my grass, or I can use that same gasoline for bad and for evil purposes, right? You see, in and of itself, gasoline is neither good nor bad. It's what I do with it. And anger is a lot like gasoline, that it can be either used for good or very easily it can be used for bad. It can be used for evil. It can be used for destruction. And I realized that I just used an illustration about gasoline. And now some of you who weren't angry a few minutes ago are angry now because you realize you have to go pay a few hundred dollars to fill up your car after church. But I'm sorry for that. Now, some of you might be hearing this and, and you're going, okay, this is great, but I'm not an angry person, Chris. Like, I know who you're talking about. I can name angry people in my life. I can name that family member or that coworker. But before you dismiss yourself too quickly. Anger doesn't always look like ranting and raving and screaming and, and rage. Anger can look a lot of different ways. In fact, anger can look like the quiet treatment. Anybody ever do that? Anger can look like avoidance, can look like talking behind someone's back. Anger can look like that internal cringe that you have towards someone. It can look like snapping at your kids for no apparent reason. Anger can look like holding a grudge. You can be angry toward yourself for maybe something that you've done and you're, you're angry toward yourself. Maybe anger looks for you like annoyance or irritation or passive aggressiveness. You see, anger can look a lot of different ways and I would bet, I would bet money if I was going to bet money that every single one of us has issues with anger on some level, on some degree. And so to start this 
three-week series off, I want to give you a couple of questions, three questions for you to think about. And maybe these are good questions for you to write down, take a picture of, go back and, and think about over the course of these three weeks and actually really spend time reflecting on these. But here they are. It's this. It's, I get angry when. Like stopping and actually just completing that sentence is a really, really good exercise. My anger comes out as, what does it come out as? Does it come out as like rage spilling out on everybody? Does it come out as passive aggressiveness or the quiet treatment or avoidance? The primary way that I deal with my anger is, so what do you do with your anger? How do you deal with it? Everybody deals with it somehow. You deal with it somehow, either you stuff it down or you let it out, you let it fly. What is it that you do? How do you deal with your anger? Now, again, these three questions are really good, and, and I would really uh, highly encourage you to, to spend some time between you and the Lord and just reflecting on these, maybe journaling on them over the next few weeks. So we're going to be looking at a text today out of the book of James. Now, this letter is written uh, by the brother of Jesus. His name is James. And at the beginning of his letter, he addresses it to the believers who are in the diaspora. And now you might be going, what in the world is that and why does that matter? Well, see, if you remember last week when Pastor Matt wrapped up our first series, our first season in the, in the book of Acts, and you remember what happened that the, uh, Stephen, who was the first martyr, the first one who was killed for his faith. And, and this fear completely overcame the church. And all of a sudden, everybody started to disperse. That's the diaspora. And so what that disbursement looked like is that people would go home after Stephen just got stoned to death. They'd go home, they'd collect their family, they'd pick up whatever they could carry, and they would run. So these people were in new places, new villages, new countries, new towns, where maybe they didn't speak the language, maybe they didn't have a job, maybe they didn't know anybody else, and they're trying to flee for their lives. And so their whole world was upside down. Their whole world was, was in turmoil. They were oppressed. They were being persecuted. And you can just imagine the level of fear and anxiety and questions, the unknown. It must have been at an all-time high. You see, this is who James is writing to. And he says these words in their state of, of upheaval. He says this, Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear slow to speak, and slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. You see, when, when we are in a state like these first century believers, when our world is upside down and, and anxiety is at an all-time high and we're afraid and nothing is normal, we tend to get angry, don't we? And here James tells them some very clear and simple instructions. He says, friends, I want you to, I want you to be quick to listen. I want you to be slow to speak. And I want you to be slow to anger. Now, I'm just wondering, are those three things, do those three things describe you? Do they describe you? Do they describe our world that we live in right now? I mean, if anything, it's, it's the exact opposite, isn't it? 
that we live in a world where we are, where we are, where we are slow to listen and we are quick to speak, and man, we are even quicker to get angry, right? Like, I'm angry before you're even done talking. But here's James, and he's saying, look, friends, I want you to be quick to listen. I want you to be slow to speak, slow to become angry. So what does this, what does this mean? Well, literally, when he says be quick to listen, he means be prompt, that there's no delay, meaning that the first thing you should do when you start to sense that anger bubbling up inside of you, when you start to sense that, that annoyance, that irritation with somebody or something or whatever, the first thing you should do, no matter what it is, is listen. Listen? James, what are you talking about? What do you mean listen? Like, I know what's happening. I know what my response is supposed to be. What do you mean I'm supposed to listen? He says, be quick to listen. I'm convinced that listening is actually a lost art. If you've heard me preach before, you've probably heard me talk about this. It's one of my soapbox issues. It's one of the things that we hammer on over and over and over again in our Stephen ministry training that's starting again in September. If you're joining us for that, you're gonna hear about this. Listening is a lost art, but friends, it is one of the most powerful things we can do. So much, in fact, I believe that so much of the anger that we experience would be simply dismissed if we just spent time listening, truly listening. Listening to what? Not only listening to other people, listening to our spouse that we get angry about, or angry with all the time, listening to our coworkers that we get angry with, listening to whoever it is that we're angry with, but also, did you catch what James said about the implanted word that's able to save souls? When was the last time you were tempted to be angry and you stopped and said, God, I want to listen to what you have to say about this before I get angry. And that is powerful. Listening to what God has to say about your situation is super, super important. The listening should be our first step. So instead, James says, instead of calling to arms, instead of fortifying your own argument, instead of getting in your car and, and screaming at your steering wheel because that person's not there, but your steer, steering wheel is. Instead of daydreaming about what you would tell that person if you only had the chance to tell them off instead, James says, be prompt, no delay, quick to listen. Let that be your first reaction. And then he says, slow to speak slow to become angry. And this word slow literally means lacking of intellectual acuity. Like you're slow. <laughs> That's what he's talking about here. He says, be slow to speak and slow to anger. And when I, when I realized this, I, I immediately thought of my 10th grade biology class. It was the worst for me. Mr. Lightfoot was the teacher, super smart guy, great man, but a terrifying teacher. And for me, I'm just, not, I'm just not a biology guy. I'm just not a science guy. Like, I'm grateful that people get chromosomes and all the other things that we learned that year that I didn't really learn. But I'm glad people know that. I just didn't do that. Here's the thing. That whole year, both semesters, I had a failing grade all semester until the last week I was able to bring it up to like a 61 and pass the class with a D. And that, I was never more happy about a D than I was in Mr. Lightfoot's biology class. But here's the thing, I was slow, okay? 
I was slow. What did I have to do? I had to give that class extra effort, extra care, extra intentionality. I had to work extra hard in order to get a D in Mr. Lightfoot's biology class. So when, Paul, when James rather says, be slow to speak, what he's saying is this, is, is be extra careful. Be extra intentional about your words. Take extra care in what you are going to say. You see, and this is nothing new in scripture. In fact, Solomon in Proverbs wrote these words in, verse, in chapter 17. He says this, whoever restrains his words has what? Knowledge. And he who has a cool spirit is a man of understanding. You see, being s- slow to speak, first of all, closing our lips and opening our ears. That's what James is talking about here. That we pause that we only speak with great intentionality and purposefulness and care. And then he says, and like it, be slow to anger. Be slow to anger. Again, in Proverbs chapter 14, it says this, whoever is slow to anger has great understanding. But he who has a hasty or fast temper, he who gets angry quickly exalts folly. And you'll notice that he's not saying don't be angry. He's not saying anger is a sin. He's saying be slow to it. Take great care. Take great effort. Take great intentionality. Work hard at being angry in the correct way. No longer just reacting with anger because our reaction, our reflex now is instead of anger or speaking, it's listening. And then only after thoughtful care and consideration do we speak and do we get angry about stuff. Now, here's the thing, is, it's a lot easier said than done, right? Uh, how do we do this? How do we do that? There's a, a pastor and author named Chip Ingram. I'd encourage you to check him out. He does a lot of great work around this sort of stuff, uh, especially his work called Overcoming Emotions That Destroy. Check it out, look it up if you, if you need to. Uh, but he gives us the ABCDs of anger, all right? So for those of you who like things with, uh, with uh, you know, letters and stuff, that's how, a good way to remember it, then good for you. But here it is, ABCDs of anger. Write these down or take a picture if you need to. Acknowledge your anger. Acknowledge your anger. Letter B, backtrack to the first emotion. Letter C, consider the real cause. And letter D, determine then how to respond. The ABCDs of anger. This gets real practical. I'm going to talk through these really quickly. It says this, or acknowledge your anger. Let's talk about that one first. Now, this may feel like a no-brainer for some of you because it's like, what do you mean acknowledge my anger? What's the point of that? Well, here's the thing is that a lot of us are walking around all angry and everybody else knows we're angry except us. They might even ask you, are you okay? You doing all right? You seem angry. I'm not angry. I'm not angry. I'm just fill in the blank. I'm just stressed out. I'm just anxious. I'm just tired. I'm just blah, 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 right? Here's the thing. Acknowledging your anger is the very, very first and most important step. Don't give excuse. Don't rationalize it. Don't, don't blame others for it. Don't deny it. Just simply acknowledge, I'm angry. I'm angry. Then the letter B, what, what do we do? Backtrack to the first emotion. What does this mean? You see, anger is uh, often viewed and often is what's called a secondary emotion. 
meaning that it's, it's usually not the first thing we feel, but there's another emotion that's underneath that. Like if you ever felt uh, scared and then you quickly get angry, or have you ever felt threatened and then you quickly get angry? Have you ever felt embarrassed and then you quickly get angry? You see, what we do with backtracking to the first emotion is we ask the question, what's underneath? What's underneath my anger? What am I feeling that I don't want to feel? Is there some unresolved guilt that I'm carrying around? Do I feel rejected by someone that I love? Do I have envy, pride? Am I going through a season of grief? Grief and anger are actually really closely tied together. Do I have a lot of anxiety going on in my life? Am I fearful? Am I embarrassed? What is going on? You see, oftentimes it's a lot easier to be angry than to feel the other feelings that are there. It's a lot easier to be angry than to feel embarrassed or rejected or guilty. Then letter C, we consider the real cause. It's similar to letter B, but it's different. What does this mean? It's, it's asking the question, what am I angry about? Can I put my finger on what I'm angry about? Because sometimes we just don't know, right? Sometimes life is so busy. We got so many things going on. We have a million things to check off our to-do list today. I know that I'm angry. I just don't know what it's about. And I don't have time to ask the question and actually figure it out. We just walk around sort of angry. For me, Excuse me. I get angry when I'm sick. I'm just getting over a bad cold, flu, whatever you want to call it. Man, we got back from vacation a few weeks ago and it wiped me out. I ended up in bed for a week. It's been terrible. My ears are still plugged up. I, I feel like I'm in a cave right now. Like I sound like I'm, like I'm in a cave and it sounds super weird to me, but hopefully it doesn't sound the same way to you, but it sounds like someone shoves a couple of wet sponges in my head. I don't know what's going on there, but it ticks me off, man. When I'm sick, I get mad. Why? Well, it's not because I, I, I'm hurting, which sometimes I am, you know. It's not because I have a headache or, or whatever. When I really dig down and consider the cause of my anger when I'm sick, it's because I'm out of control. I feel like I've lost control. I don't get to do what I want to do. I don't get to spend my time the way I want to spend my time. I don't get to be with the people I want to be with. I have to do this, do this, do this. Take this medicine, stay in bed, get rest, blah, 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 right? I don't like that. I lose my sense of control and I get angry about it. And so, so what are you angry about? Can you name it? Can you point your finger to it? This is actually a really great practical uh, way for us to, to work on our anger. In fact, if you're a journaler or if you want to take some time over these next few weeks and just begin to reflect on this, what I'd encourage you to do, this simple exercise is just, is just to do an emotional examination of your life. Every day, at the end of your day, take out a piece of paper or a journal or whatever and just begin to jot down, like, what are the emotions that I experienced today? Like, what did, what did, I, what did I feel? What, what's going on in my life? What were the highs and the lows? And and then as you list those out, begin to, to, to write out the, the circumstances that surround those things. This will help you to, to be able to pinpoint what is going on and what you're angry about. But here's the thing, is that anger often uh, is connected to unmet expectations or needs, insecurities or injustices that come our way. Oftentimes, actually, 
Anger is connected to the wounds that we carry around. It's sort of like a porcupine. I mean, think about it. Uh, Porcupines have no friends. I mean, nobody wants to be a friend of a porcupine. I mean, those those quills, those are, na- those are gnarly quills. They will mess you up. I mean, you ever see a, like a dog or a bear or whatever in a movie and they have these quills sticking out of their face because that porcupine's like, whack, you're getting too close, my friend. Bam. Why are porcupines so mean? It's, you see, because underneath they have this really tender underbelly. There's no quills. It's really tender, and, and all the quills are there to, to protect this tenderness. You see, for some of us, we're living lives controlled by anger because we have wounds that we've been carrying around for years, for decades even. Some of us are trying so hard to protect these tender areas of our lives that we put up these defenses that we put up this anger, that we put up this wrath just so that nobody gets too close. Could it be that if you consider the cause of your anger that it's going to point you to a wound that God wants to bring some healing to? And then letter D says this, determine how to respond. After going through those things, after being quick to listen, after being slow to speak, after being slow to become angry, after going through the ABCs, and we get and we then determine how to respond. Here's the thing. Here's the irony of anger is that anger is a response often to injustice. We see an injustice and we get angry about it. But what did James say about the, the anger of man? Remember? He said that the anger of man does not produce the what? the righteousness of God. You see, the very thing that we're trying to produce with our anger is actually producing the opposite. Most of the time, the very thing that we're trying to produce, which is justice, which is righteousness, which is making wrong things made right, the very thing that we're trying to produce with our anger, James says, it can't do it. That man's anger falls short. What does man's anger produce? It only produces pain and destruction and separation. That's it. That's the only thing that man's anger produces is pain and destruction and separation. But James says, but when we're quick to listen, when we're slow to speak, when we're slow to become angry, when we allow what he calls the implanted word to inform our emotions to inform how we respond to our emotions, we can actually have the godly anger that we want, the godly anger that produces righteousness. In other words, what this means is that we take our anger and we bring it under the surrender of the lordship of Jesus. That's what it means to be a follower of Christ. It doesn't mean that we get to just do whatever we want and that he's going to forgive us. That's a false gospel. The gospel is this, is that he paid the price so that we can come to him so that we might surrender to him. That we might take all these other things, these wounds, these emotions, these things that are out of control, our anxiety, our fear, our our threats, the injustices we see, and bring it all underneath the authority of the lordship of Jesus Christ so that he can inform how we respond. That's what godly anger looks like. 
You see, Paul says in Ephesians chapter four, he says these words, let all bitterness and wrath, let all anger and clamor, all slander, all of it be put away. Let all of it be put away along with malice. I think he covered the gamut there, right? Let it all be put away. And he says this, be kind, be kind to one another, tenderhearted. And then here's the key, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. You see, the key to godly anger, the key to finding healing in our anger is forgiveness, which is what we're talking about next week. Pastor Matt's going to be talking about that next week. Come back, hear more about what that looks like. But here's the thing. When it says, as God in Christ forgave you, that's a picture. That's the purest picture that we will ever see of godly anger. What is that anger? It was God's wrath poured out on himself. I mean, just imagine for a moment, close your eyes if you need to, just imagine Jesus' body broken and bloodied and torn apart and nailed to a cross. That's the picture of godly anger. You see, God poured out his wrath. He took our sins upon himself and God poured out his wrath, his godly anger upon himself. Why? So that we might find forgiveness, that we might find true life, that we might find freedom, freedom from these things that hold us back. Do you need that today? Are you stuck in your anger? Do you need forgiveness? Do you need healing of those tender wounds that you've been carrying around for a long time? The answer is in, in Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we come to you today. God, we thank you for the picture of godly wrath and godly anger, your anger that burns with an unquenchable fire towards sin. And Father, we're grateful also that you took our sin upon yourself, pouring out your own wrath upon yourself. God, it doesn't make sense to us. But we thank you, Father. We receive it. God, we accept it. Thank you that you're the kind of God who spares his children, who wants the best for us, who wants life and freedom and joy and beauty for us. So God, for those of us who are stuck in our anger, who are trapped by it, Lord, would you show us the way of freedom? God, would you lead us down that road and help us find freedom from that knot in our heart that's been there for so long. Father, we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If maybe you prayed that prayer for the first time, if maybe you are at a place where you want to accept that forgiveness of God, we just want want to walk with you through what that means. And so you can text the name Jesus to the number on the screen and someone will be in touch with you about what that means, all right? You know, every week we spend time remembering the sacrifice of Christ by taking the bread and the, and the juice. And as we do today, what I want us to do is just take a moment of quiet.
all that you've heard today, maybe God is illuminating something in your life. Maybe he's just in his kindness and gentleness, he's bringing something to light and saying, hey, hey, I want to speak life to this part of your life. I want to speak life to this part of your life that's in bondage and dying. We're just going to take a few moments and ask the Holy Spirit to show us whatever it is that he would like to do. So let's take a few moments and do that. Father, we thank you for the bread and the cup. God, that represents so many things. It represents your anger towards sin. And it represents new life because of your sacrifice. God, so today we remember your body that was given for us. Let's remember together. In the very blood of God that was shed for you, we remember together. We're going to spend some time now responding to God and his goodness by singing and worshiping him. Um, and so during this time, if you would like someone to pray with you, we have people who are over here or online, you can click the button, who would love to pray with you, whatever it might be, something about anger or something totally different. We'd love to minister to you in, in whatever way that might look like, all right? So feel free during this time to go and, and pray with someone. Would you stand together as we sing?